Hi, and welcome to the Vine Community Church Podcast. We hope that what you're about to hear will help you to flourish in God's grace and bear fruit through loving God, loving each other, and loving our community. Good morning. Hey, it's great to have you here at the Vine, If whether you're here in person or online. My name's John Adams, a lead pastor, and we are in this series from the book of Acts called The Power of the Church in the Face of Persecution. And today we're going to see what the early church was actually learning is this, that God can change anyone. You know, uh, from Andrew's sermon last week, we, we saw how Saul was radically changed and he became uh, on, the, on the road to Damascus he was converted, and we know him as Paul, many of us, the apostle. But he was a murderer of Christians. I mean, he was awful. <laughs> and yet God, by his grace, reached out and, and saved uh, Paul and, and brought him to himself. He, um, and he changed his heart and gave him a, replaced his stony heart with a heart of flesh. The persecutor of the church became one of the great preachers. The vilest of all sinners became one of the most valued, as we all are who know him. And so today, we're going to be looking at this and continuing to kind of see how he had a friend, an advocate. His name was Barnabas, which means son of encouragement. And he brought... Saul to Peter and James, the leader of the church in Jerusalem. And we're going to see how that takes place today in our passage. And how they were really, really wary of this guy Saul. But just in a few days, 15 days in Jerusalem, we see that in Galatians 1.18, that Saul builds credibility with the church and he begins to preach and begins kind of his ministry of gospel proclamation. And heart change. So to, today as we come to God's word, uh, let's uh, give honor to his word and listen and hear. If you'll turn with me to Acts chapter 9, verse 26. Remind you, this is God's precious holy word. Thanks be to him. And when he, Saul, had come to Jerusalem, he attempted to join the disciples. And they were all afraid of him. For they did not believe that he was a disciple. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles and declared to them how on the road he had seen the Lord who spoke to him and how at Damascus he had preached boldly in the name of Jesus. So he went in and out among them at Jerusalem, preaching boldly in the name of the Lord, and he spoke and disputed against the Hellenists. But they were seeking to kill him. And when, they were, and when the brothers learned this, they brought him down to Caesarea and sent him off to Tarsus. So the church throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria had peace and was being built up and walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, it multiplied. You see, here the church in Jerusalem struggled to believe God, uh, that God could really change Saul. See that in verse 26 where it says, they were all afraid of him. 
Dr. Luke, who wrote Acts, tells us that they did not believe that Saul was a disciple. You know, I wonder why. (laughs) I mean, he had been arresting and beating and having uh, Christians actually murdered. Probably, likely, many of the family and friends of this church, these Jewish Christians, were, were actually had had family members who were beaten or killed by, because of Saul's injunctions and his orders. And so, so they, they avoided Saul altogether. And verse 27 says that Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles. He, what he did was he personally vouched for God's transformation of Saul's heart and his life. And, and we see in verse 27 that Barnabas is actually risking believing God can change anyone, including Saul. You know, the, the name, as we've already shared, Barnabas means son of encouragement. And it wasn't just because he, you know, he had an outgoing, bubbly personality, right? It was because he had what we've been talking about throughout this year of in the word of God, starting in Philippians earlier in the fall. He had a confidence that was rooted in Christ. His confidence was that that Jesus could change anyone because Barnabas obviously had had his heart changed. And now he had seen Saul teach, he had saw Saul's testimony, and he trusted, he, he risked, he trusted that Saul was the real deal. Because, not because of Saul and his, his ability to change himself, but because of Jesus. Jesus can change anyone. And, and Barnabas was absolutely confident of this. And so Barnabas risked not only his reputation, but maybe even his life and the life of others. Imagine if, if Saul turned out to be actually a, a, you know, an imposter. And he would have had Barnabas and the church of Jerusalem rounded up and probably mass murdered. But Barnabas risked reputation, life, his, probably his possessions, to say, brother, I'm going to introduce you to Peter and to James, who was the brother of Jesus. And he told them about the great things, that, the great conversion heart change that God had done in, Saul, in Saul's heart. God can change anyone. So, uh, you know, question for you today is, are you risking with people that have not been trustworthy in your life? You know, I'm not talking about putting down, you know, or uh, safe and, and appropriate barriers or boundaries. But look, do we believe that that neighbor, that friend, or maybe even that close family member that We've, we've really struggled with. Maybe we've been really hurt by them. Do we believe that God can change their hearts? Are we praying for them? Are we asking God in, in appropriate ways to show his love through us? Are we helping them in the journey if they, they actually come to know Jesus? which would blow us away because we would never think that that person that we're thinking about right now could come to know Christ. You see, um, 
Instead of permanently pigeonholing people, thinking they will never change, again, how about praying for Jesus to change their heart or show them the kindness of Christ? And this might be to people that are really different from you, maybe in their politics, maybe even their morality, maybe in in their attitudes. Are we being salt and light and showing them the love of Christ? God can change anyone. You know, and Saul here struggles in verses 28 and 29 to believe actually his calling to preach to the Gentiles. Not only, again, did the church of Jerusalem struggle to trust Saul, (laughs) understandably, right? And they grew in, in trusting him. We see that in verse 28 where it says, so he went in and out among them at Jerusalem preaching boldly in the name of the Lord. The church in Jerusalem was changed. And they began to trust Saul and he became like one of their, their preachers that he, they were inviting friends and family members to. And, and so it was, it was a beautiful kind of change in the, in the hearts of the church at Jerusalem. But Saul still needed to be changed, you see? Saul, Saul, who had been trained um, by Gamaliel, who was the greatest Jewish rabbi, he thought the best plan for my life is actually to preach to the Jewish people because I'm going to be super effective with them. I've been trained for three years in the Arabian desert, and then I've been put in under uh, Gamaliel, the best scholar of Jewish traditions and the word, and I've been trained to preach effectively God's word to them. And Saul had to be reminded over and over again what his his ultimate calling was. We see that in Acts 22, verses 17 through 21, where it says this. uh, This is about 20 years later after this incident in Jerusalem, these 15 days. 20 years later in Acts 22, look, look what God says, or to, to Saul. And it came, came about when I returned to Jerusalem and was praying in the temple that I fell into a trance. And I saw him saying to me, make haste and get out of Jerusalem quickly because they will not accept your testimony about me. And I said, Lord, they themselves understand that, that in one synagogue after another, I used to imprison and beat those who believed in thee. And when the blood of thy witness, Stephen, was being shed, I also was standing by approving and watching out for the cloaks of those who were slaying him. Notice what God says to him here, calling to him the mission in verse 21. He says, and he said to me, go for I will send you far away to the Gentiles. Now, interesting enough, Saul did not obey God immediately. In fact, he stayed in Jerusalem thinking, my plan is pretty good. I want to preach to these Jewish people. I've been trained to do this, and I am Jewish, and I can do this effectively. But God's plan was different from Saul's. You know, uh, we in our lives face these opportunities all the time. We We think, hey, we've got... We've got our plan. It's all mapped out. 
We've got this training. We've got this wisdom. And I'm just going to kind of move forward with our plan, my plan. And my plan is like airtight in logic and wisdom. But sometimes God does, has, has something that is completely different. And, and do we trust God and his plan even when it doesn't seem to be logical or to kind of fit what we want to do or how we've been trained or what we think we can accomplish? You know, I remember moving to Atlanta. Lizanne and I didn't have kids at the time. And uh, when we, we moved to Atlanta, we, we had, I'd been an associate pastor at a pretty big, stable church. Uh, it was pretty cush. I was the associate pastor, so I was the fair-haired boy. You could do nothing wrong up there. And if so, it was a pretty good environment. Lizanne was finishing her doctorate, and, and everything was going well. You know, it was, they had great benefits. It was super secure. You know, um, they wanted me there, and it was all good. But then I got a call to a small church in Atlanta. And uh, when, uh, when we were down here interviewing, at the end of one of the interviews, one of the elders' wives pulled Lizanne aside and said, um, Lizanne, you know, I would really encourage you not to buy a house because we were looking to buy a house at the time. We were, we were, we were thinking God's calling us to do this. She, because she said, I'm not sure that we can pay you. And we go, oh, okay. And so, so it was just like, uh, hmm, all right. But we went back to, to Maryland. We prayed about it. God clearly was calling us to that church. And then even when we, when we came to that church, a couple elders, first week, they, they, they resigned from the church because they were so tired from doing ministry in that church. And it was a good church, but they just, you know, they just wanted to go get refreshed. And we're like, this is not easy. But God went on to really bless that church and that congregation. And it was such a sweet, beautiful calling from the Lord. But it didn't make sense according to our logic. And guys, you know, when you think about in your life that there's going to be times where you have plans, but may you trust God and his plans that may be completely different from yours. Are you trusting his leading, his change? Saul, God had Saul, told Saul, go be a focus on the Gentiles, but he went to the Jewish people. We see that in verse 28 as we've seen. Verse 29 goes on and we notice what happens. And it says, and he, Saul, spoke and disputed against the Hellenists. Hellenists were um, Jewish, but they were Greek in culture. And these Hellenists apparently were the ones who had actually stoned Stephen back in chapter 7 of Acts. We saw that. And it says, but they were seeking to kill him. So here, Saul stays in Jerusalem. He's seeking, he gains acceptance with the church in Jerusalem, he starts preaching to the Jewish people in Jerusalem, but he has no effectiveness because that wasn't God's plan for, for Saul. He had another place to move him on. The Hellenists were rioting, and they were creating all of this disorder. That reminds me of, of a story of an Anglican-British pastor 
who uh, told of this story, and he said, whenever I go into a city, they serve me tea and crumpets. But whenever it's Saul or Paul went into city, there was either a riot, a revolution, or a revival. And so all of this rioting's going on. Saul is really actually, at his life is at stake now. And we see in verse 30 that it says, and when the brothers, the brothers are those from the church there in Jerusalem who were avoiding him, they now come to rescue him. Notice that. Notice the change in their hearts. When the brothers learned this, they brought him down to Caesarea and sent him off to Tarsus. Again, the, the brothers were the, here, the same disciples that actually feared Paul. But now they are rescuing the one who persecuted them. He, Saul has changed. They have changed. And now they rescue him and he goes initially to Caesarea and he ends up in Tarsus, which is his hometown where he grew up. And, and remember this, and just in context, uh, Saul had a lot of preparation for ministry. He had been three years in the desert in Arabia. But now he goes to Tarsus and he's there for 10 years. 10 more years and the scripture is almost silent about what happens in that season in Tarsus. But there's one thing we do know happened while he was in Tarsus in training. And we see that in Acts 13, 12. Uh, we see that, that Saul's name actually, which meant, we saw this last week, his name was changed to Paul. And Paul means what? Do you remember? He means small. <laughs> Paul means small. Because Paul was saying, Look, it's not about my power. I need the power of God. I need God's help. I am small. I am nothing except for weak. God is almighty and powerful. I need his help and strength. My name will be Paul. And notice Paul takes the name. Actually, God called him Saul at his conversion in Damascus. Paul gives him, takes his name. But the second reason is not just because he was small spiritually, and he was trusting in God and his power. But because Saul meant was, a, was really his Hebrew name. And when he was this 10 years in preparation, he realized, I need a name that will relate to the Gentiles. I am going to, I am going to surrender to my calling. I am going to submit to God and I am going to take the name Paul, which is the Greek, Roman, Gentile name that he took for himself. And so here, Paul is changed, and his heart is given over to the ministry. And he's actually no longer in, in, in Israel. And what happens to the church in Israel when he gets Saul or Paul gets out of the way. And we see this in verse 31. It says there, so the church throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria, which is describing Israel, where the Jewish Christians were growing, had peace and was being built up. And walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, 
it multiplied. Isn't it crazy? I mean, that Saul, he has to get out of the way for God to do his work there in Israel among the Jewish people. He was changed. He focuses on his primary calling. And the church of Jesus Christ in Israel hugely benefits. They get peace and comfort from God. And the church grows. And there is a lot of great things that go on. Have you you ever realized, you know, we see ourselves way too self-important at times, right? We think we've got to be there. We've got to do it. If we don't do it, no one will, right? Have you ever felt that way? I know I have. I've got to do something. I've, you know, no one else is helping. No one else can do this the way I can do it. You know, we tell ourselves these kind of lies. But Saul finally comes to the place of where he, because of persecution, he actually surrenders to God's calling, his plan for his life. You know, um, are you... Are you trusting God's plan for your life? I don't know what it is. Is it a move? Is it a, you know, is it something at your work? Is it something in a decision that you need to make? Are you, are you coming before the Lord and saying, Lord, please, you know, and please, I'm crying out to you in prayer. Show me your plan and whatever your will is, that's what I want. I want to find out and discover what your plan is and submit my heart and life to it. Are you trusting God? Are you being changed to trust God's plans in your life? And also, are you trusting that God is changing hearts of those, those people that maybe you've trusted the least, that you thought maybe they've hurt you deeply, or you're just... Or you're just tired of how they continually showed you a lack of respect? Or are you praying for God to change their heart and yours? And have you forgiven them? You know, you remember Vuanu's great, powerful story of, of how uh, one girl in Africa, her, she was killed for her faith, and her dad actually forgave her murderers. I mean, are we forgiving people that have hurt us deeply? Are we willing to, and do we believe that God can change anyone? And, and is your heart today being changed? Today, if you are not a follower of Jesus. Today would be a great day to simply say, God, I want to trust you. I want your life because of Jesus' work for me, that he died, rose again from the dead, and and did everything needed for me to bring me into right relationship with you. Today would be a beautiful day for you to simply surrender for your heart to be changed. Surrender to Christ and his love. And if you do know Jesus, guess what? You've been given, you've been changed. You've been given a whole new identity. You are no longer a slave, but you are a son or daughter of the living king. Are you rejoicing in what God has done in your heart? 
And will you surrender to his love how he wants to continue to change you? Just because you're a Christ follower and you're here, look, we all have to change. Our hearts all have to grow in trusting God. Are we doing so? And so as we prep this morning for Lord's Supper, I just want to call you to just focus on this question this morning. How does your heart need to be changed by God? Will you ask him in just a few moments of silent meditation as we come to prep our hearts for his table? Will you cry out to our Lord and ask him, Lord, how does my heart need to be changed by you? Let's pray together. Thanks so much for joining us for this podcast. For more information, you can visit us online at thevinecc.com, download our mobile app, or visit us on Facebook or Instagram at thevinecc. Have a great week.